Welcome to another edition of the Cyclone Fanatic Podcast. While Jeff Woody is making popping noises with his mouth. I like to hear the sound in my headphones to make sure it still works. And Jared just started as I was pseudo-testing my own boredom. It is Football and Random Things presented by Iowa Diamond coming to you from the Carl Chevrolet Podcast Studios at the Cyclone Fanatic office in Ankeny. Welcome to the Carl Chevrolet studio. Thank you. It's, uh, I, I always make myself comfortable, and now I'm glad that Carl Chevrolet is on board, making me even more comfortable. There you go. That's exactly what we want. Uh, the football season is over. Sadly. But we will continue to football on Don't cry things. because it's gone. Celebrate that it was here. I don't think that's how the saying goes. That's how it goes. No, it's not. Yes, it is. No. <laughs> no, it's not. <laughs> is, isn't it don't cry because it's over? Smile because it was here? Smile because it happened or yeah. something? Yeah. yeah. No, that's why. I, but I was changing it. Why? To the it's like a, to the tenor like it didn't die. Well, well known saying. Don't judge me. And you're just here to mess it up. It's like Boondock Saints, or just the the expression. It, in what way? The expression is completely butchered. Make like a tree and get the expletive out. That's it, a it's a Boondock. Have you seen the Boondock Saints? It's make like a tree and leave. I thought that was Back to the Future. Right. No, that that's true, but. As a joke in the Boondock Saints, there's a character. Oh, wait, there's a there's a bartender. Make like who, a tree and get out of here. Yeah, make like a tree and the get tree. the yeah. It's make like a tree and get the blank out as a Boondock Saints thing because he has a shotgun in his hand. Oh, we went really far into random things very quickly. Are Are you surprised? Like I said, the football season's over. We have way more random things to talk about. We do have way more random things to talk about. We, we also have, have the football. 2018 Alamo Bowl to talk about. Isn't that kind of cool? Like to just now that everything's the dust is settled, to say that this team was the like played in the Alamo Bowl. I think it's cool, and this is something that I meant to say on our. Did you listen to our After Dark podcast that I, we did? I did not. We recorded it at two o'clock in the morning. Imagine the random things on that one. <laughs> <laughs> it has gotten rave reviews. Yeah, it has gotten rave reviews. Let me tell you, it's got uh, it's got multiple expletives. Uh, <laughs> just have just tack the E on there. Yeah. It has uh, a saying that we were going commando on the podcast. Hmm. I said, right down the ass alley as Connor Asali uh, drilled his 50 yard field goal at, uh, with the replay playing. Right. It, it was so late that the replay was already on the TV while we were recording the podcast. <laughs> after, after ESPN's post game yeah. programming. And then they put that back on. Yeah. They'd yeah. had, they'd probably Good. already played two episodes of sports center. Good. And then it was like, all right, now we're going to, now no one is awake. So we're going to replay this football game. No, nobody cares, but somebody in, so a gas station in Reno, Nevada needs to leave their TV on. We need to give them something to put on. Mm -hmm. Here you go. Gas station in Reno, Nevada. Here's like the, the Alamo Bowl again. Right. It's like the expedited version where they, they like cut in. They're like, uh, this, this game has been fat. Like we've jumped ahead in this game in order to fit the time slot mm -hmm. or something like that. And they, they kept doing that. But uh, yeah, we'll talk about the Alma Bowl. Uh, Alma Bowl. Going to do some postseason awards. And I'm sure Jeff has plenty of random thoughts on I, his, on his mind as well. I would never. I would never. We'll be right back. You're listening to Football and Random Things on the Cyclone Fanatic Podcast Network, coming to you from the Carl Chevrolet Podcast Studios. This is Iowa Diamond President Chuck Kuba. After 20 years of serving engagement and wedding couples, I can't help but reflect back on the thousands of wonderful folks we've helped and ask myself, how can we be so lucky? 
Is it our incredible rink selection or the quiet private atmosphere? Then came the epiphany. Out of all the people in the world, we make you feel like you are the most important people in the world. Because at that moment, to all of us at Iowa Diamond, you are. Visit us at iowadiamond.com or in person anytime. You'll see what I mean. All right. Time to talk about the Alamo Bowl here in the Carl Chevrolet Studios in Ankeny. You bought a new car from Carl Chevrolet, didn't you? Uh, leasing. Oh, okay. Leasing, leasing vehicle. It's a 2018 Chevy Colorado and could not like it more. It's I still get 27 miles to the gallon on the highway, 26, 28, somewhere in there. Uh, and then when I'm in the city, which most of the time in Ankeny, it's stoplight traffic to stoplight traffic. I average, because I've just kept, you can do like the, the GM display mm-hmm. in front of the wind or in front of the steering wheel will give you uh, like different displays to look for and you can reset each one. So every time I get a new tank of gas, I'll reset one of them, but I'll leave the other one. It's just like whatever. And so my, most of my mileage has been in, in the city, in town. I'm still at like 18.2 miles per gallon in a truck. And we've been moving from our old gym to our new location, um, which looks nice by the way. Thank you. It's been very, driving by. it's very, very nice. Um, I don't know if I'm based on sponsorships, but it's in the corner of state and 18th. Come try. Um, anyway, the, it, we've been moving stuff over. And so with the Colorado, I still get 28 miles or 27, 28 miles per gallon on the highway. But then I was able to move. I mean, I don't, our, all of the plywood on every wall that we had uh, in our old gym to protect the drywall, we got to take over to the new one. And I f- just fit it in the back of my truck and two trips and totally fine. So it's fuel efficient and gets, it's able to do truck stuff. And you got it at Carl got Chevrolet. Carl Chevrolet. Nice little impromptu uh, read there for Carl Chevrolet. That wasn't even a read. That was off the top of my head. Yeah, that was just a, that's what I'm saying. That was just a nice little, uh, go uh, get a Colorado and ad lib. They're nice. Yeah. Get three, six V six. We still got enough pop gets going. It's a comfortable ride. Carl Chevrolet. There we go. Thanks Jeff. Cheers. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Let's talk about the Alamo bowl. Uh, as I mentioned before, we recorded a, a podcast, uh, immediately following the game with some of our raw thoughts, but nobody's heard from Jeff Woody yet. No, the game they have. Nobody's asked. That was loud. I think I gave my little, little ear crack there. Yeah. Um, okay. So here are my, my overarching thought on the bowl game. I think the officiating was poor, but I also think Iowa state let the officiating being poor affect them. Mm-hmm. So if you, I think the defense played out of their minds the entire game, the, the, the whole game that, cause that offense is very difficult to stop. Um, and they gave up four touchdowns and three of them came off of what one should, should have been called back in the first place. That, that false start, I mean, plain as day. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that, so that shouldn't have happened. However, don't get cooked in coverage. I mean, if it, the guy was, it was a great throw, but don't leave it that open. And so then the false start doesn't matter. So, you know, it, it's a good play, but you're also looking for a bailout to get out of that. So right. I don't think you can use that as an excuse. It shouldn't have happened, but also if that play isn't a false start, you're going to give up a touchdown anyway. So that was one of the touchdowns. Another two of the touchdowns were, I think one was on second down, one was on third down. They were targeting penalties that extended the game. Uh, I thought the one on any was garbage. Uh, that was just sent. There was nothing that could have been done. There was no malicious intent. And I think to the letter of the law, I think the only reason they threw that flag is because, uh, because his helmet came off. Basically. Yeah. But I, I think to the letter of the law, his helmet, there was helmet to helmet contact. And by the letter and by the definition of targeting, that's targeting. But also the, the hit on that PV had on the sidelines would also have been targeting under that rule. 
And I think the thing that we talked about the, about this earlier in the year and this, I don't know if, I don't remember if it was in regards to like the roughing the passers in the NFL, or if it was in targeting in college, one of the two, it's the same problem is I don't care what you call, just be consistent with it. If you're going to allow that to be in 99% of the plays, but then this is the one that you're going to eject for. That doesn't make any sense because what standard are you holding to? And, and to, you know, I, I, mind work, my mind works on metaphors. If you're trying to train a kid how to, you know, use the toilet or you whatever, and you only sporadically reward them when they're doing whatever they're doing, they're pissing in the tub and you're like, eh, whatever. And like, you don't, there's no consistency in reward. There's no consistency in punishment. There's only one time when that's acceptable. And that's when you're at a party and someone's already using the toilet and you have to go. Right. You should pee right in the tub. Preferably you go outside and do it in a bush though. No, just pee right in the tub. Anyway. Maybe the sink. No, not the sink. You go in the tub. That's What's di- wrong with pissing in the sink? There's so many more things that drop into the sink that you need to get back out of the sink. <laughs> like, a, like at some point, somebody's going to drop their toothbrush in the sink. Not my problem. Pro- I'm not dropping my toothbrush in the yeah, sink. Yeah, but well, no one's going to... Well, not no one. It's, it's, it's a much rarer occurrence if you're dropping your toothbrush in the shower. And that shower is generally meant to take dirty things down it. Whereas the sink is much more appropriate for like just minor, just minor gross things. Maybe a little mud in the hands, something like that, but not urine. It's not piss. There's no piss down the sink. Be an adult, Jared. Pee in the toilet or pee in the tub. Uh, but anyway, there's with the, the target. Or on a bush. <laughs> or in a bush outside. Uh, like a real man. But there's no consistency in that. And so that was, I think the Harvey one was fair. That mm-hmm. was, he led with his helmet and hit, a, hit the guy in the helmet. That was. The only thing that sucked about that is that, uh, Minshew had not given himself up. I mean, Jaquan tripped him. And mm-hmm. before Jaquan, Jaquan tripped him, Willie would have hit him in the chest. And it was like, okay, now it's, now it's targeting because the guy was just falling down. But again, I think this is the, the, other, the other hand of this is you have to, at some point, take that intent out of it. Because he was going, if he was going to hit him in the sternum, he was going to hit him in the sternum with his helmet. Right. I mean, if, he was stand, if Minshew was standing up. So... He kind of had to, you, it, in order to keep the game safe in the future, you have to disincentivize that type of tackle. Mm-hmm. And so even an unintentional hit like that is going to be, is going to be, should be penalized because of the severity of it. Now, any wasn't leading with his head. He was, he was trying to wrap and roll. It just happened that his head hit Minshew's and that was an inc- that to me was an incidental contact there was no and intention his helmet there. Came off. yeah and his helmet came off just because and he's a big dude so I think on two sides of the same coin you do have to call the one against Willie but you I don't think I think the one against any was inappropriate but anyway one of them was on a second down one of them is on a third down the third down extended the drive would have been a field goal ended up being a touchdown the one on the second down I think they were in a longer down a distance situation um because I think Ennies was a third down. I think Willie's was a second down. And I think the Willie's would have left them in like second or would have left them in third and eight. And I, I believe third and seven, third and eight, somewhere in there. And, and then didn't they get a sack on the next or wait, was that the one when they was that Willie's when they got a sack and it made it a third and goal? And that's when then the false start was. Yeah, I think that was OK. Yeah. So that yeah, was so the same it, drive when but, Willie got ejected. But there were but it, there were three touchdowns scored. Mm hmm. Uh, there were four touchdowns scored. Three of them came off of penalties and the, the extension of the drive via penalty. And I think that you can, if you can eliminate one of them, obviously you win the game. And so you can't let your, you can't let that roller coaster happen. That was, that was one of Herman's big things is you don't want to ride the roller coaster is you always want to drive the roller coaster. You don't want to ride it. And so like you're, 
you get so excited because you get a third down stop and then you get really disappointed because it's a targeting mm-hmm. and then the next play is a touchdown like boom right now. So they played really well, but coming after those penalties, they didn't quite respond the way they needed to. And then offensively, um, they played okay, but there were such lapses in con- in concentration early that they dug themselves way too steep of a hole, which it's completely side note from what Iowa State did. That is the dumbest penalty you possibly could have is the taunting before you get in the end zone. Yeah. Because that, we talk about like the the consistency and I don't care what you call so long as you call it straight. They call that straight every time. Like there is very few instances where you do that going into the end zone and it doesn't get called. Tyree Kill even got called for that in the NFL. You know that's going to get called. Yeah. It's that is the second dumbest thing you can do going in the end zone. The dumbest being the where you run to the end zone. You want to drop like the ball, yeah. chest bump yourself to the fans and then you drop the ball in like the two. Like that's the stupidest thing you can do. This is the second stupidest thing you can do. Like that would be one of those things where, I mean, he's a really good player to, to from what he looked like. He number four, whatever. I don't, I don't know what he got hurt later in the game. He did. He was having like the game of his life. He had the near pick six and then he destroyed Brock Purdy on a blitz too. Mm-hmm. And he had another PBU later. I think it was against Butler. Um, but that would have been, I generally speaking, keep my, cause I, co- like I said, I coached for two years in high school. And for the most part, I don't think I ever yelled at anyone save for when there were a, a group of kids picking on another kid or kind of bullying him for, for he was, the kid was trying, he's kind of like, he's a, a, a slightly less than athletic kid, but he was trying really hard. And these other kids were bullying him. I yelled at those kids because it was an effort and attitude thing. And then there's another time when everybody was just like talking and ignoring one of the coaches that actually was coaching. And I yelled at all those kids. It was the only two times that I actually yelled. That would have been a time that that kid would have gotten such an earful that I don't think he would even want to like walk by me for the rest of the day. He would just kind of like avoid that because it's so stupid. Anyway, um, there were such lapses, lapses in concentration on Iowa State side because the interceptions that Purdy threw were stupid. They weren't like the, hey, great play. It was one where it was a cover two, it was it, it was a, a cover a cover two rollout to the to the right side. With like a levels concept. Right, with a levels like, concept yeah. or a flood concept or whatever you want to call it. And you have one guy to read. It's does that guy fade or does that guy close? Like does he come towards you or does he go backwards? If he comes towards you, throw it over top of him. If he goes back, throw it in front of him. He bailed like right away. I mean it was clear as you know, day to night. And he baited him a little bit, like, like right off the snap, he sort of faded close, but then Purdy made up his mind that he wanted to throw it behind him, even when he was fading back when really you should have just drilled it to the guy in the first one, take four yards and live to play another day. And then the other one I think was a throwing across his body. Uh, that was the <laughs> one when I don't, I almost wonder if there's a, Oh no, it was a miscommunication yeah. with Butler supposed to cut yeah. in. I think, yeah. He, yeah, he was either supposed to cut in and he settled or he was, or he just kind of gave up on the route that he was running and the guy just jumped it. Yeah. yeah. So that was the other one. And, yeah. and so they were, they were two very preventable mistakes. It wasn't, you know, the, the ones that you can, I, I quote unquote live with are the ones where you make the right read for what is being shown. But some like the, the one that comes to mind is, um, Jalen Ramsey, when the the Jackson or when Jacksonville played the Steelers, uh, Jacksonville was playing cover three, and a Pittsburgh ran a seam route, which and they ran right up the the right hash, and Antonio Brown was right. It was I mean by all reads, you see cover three. That's exactly where the ball needs to go. But Ramsey came out of his cover three because he knew where the ball was going to go 
undercut the route and made a diving interception. Like that one, you can live with. That's just a dude making a play. Oh, so that's a great player. That's a great, a great player play. making a great play. Yeah. Those two interceptions that between that Purdy threw, one was Purdy just being. I mean for lack of a better term, being dumb on the play. It's just he made a very poor decision. And then the other one is a miscommunication between him and Butler. And so those two things, neither one of them should have happened. But then by the time the second half rolled around, they both, everybody settled down. And Butler in the first half had a couple that just hit him in the face and he dropped. I mean, it was the, it was the, the quintessential concentration drop. And he did that twice. And then for the rest of the game, it was just lights out. Tore everything apart. And so it was Iowa State... To summarize the whole thing, they played well, but they weren't consistent enough at the, specifically at the start of the game to, to overcome the bad officiating. Mm-hmm. If the officiating was all even, they would have won the game. But in situations like that, you kind of just got to deal with it. And you, you hey, there, there are bad calls. This is not a good crew. I mean, you've played basketball games like this where they're calling touch fouls all over the place. And you go like, all right, fine. We have to play a different kind of basketball. We cannot play as physically or aggressively defensively. This game's going to probably end up in the 90s instead of the 70s. And so you just have to adjust and move. And they kind of did that, but kind of didn't. And they, they, they just did it too late. So I don't know. They, they played well. I thought the defense played very well. They were just too inconsistent early to merit winning. I'm just waiting for the day that, that they recognize the true definition of targeting, which is when you go into Target to buy one thing and leave with $150 worth of things. You had that joke in your pocket, didn't you? Oh, yeah. I've been waiting the entire time that you uh, <laughs> were talking about this so that I could make that joke. Uh, I just, I really just need a, a light bulb. Honey, what? What? Why is your trunk completely full? <laughs> you needed a light bulb. Yeah, but did you see the coats? <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. It's about exactly how it goes. (laughs) I went in to buy a vacuum last week at Target. I left with a lot more than a vacuum. See, I haven't, I, I have, I don't mind. And let me, let me call this shopping. Like I don't mind shopping, but I don't like shopping. So in the, the denotative sense of like going in to buy something for yourself for no other reason than buying something for yourself. I don't mind doing that. But shopping, aimlessly perusing, hoping to find something or just happening to find something, I do not do that well. So like I can go with like whether it's my mom or like sister-in-law or like, you know, if I'm going with someone, I get about 30 minutes. And then after about 30 minutes without purpose for what I'm doing, I'm like, I'm, I'm going to go insane. I can't <laughs> do this. You're not looking for anything. You're just looking around to see if you get inspired to buy something. Let's go in. I'm going to find a pair of Jordans. Let's go buy a pair of Jordans. I don't know which ones, but I'm going to look at this wall. If this wall doesn't exist, I'm out. I'm done. That's it. I'm not going to go. That's it. I don't know how you can do the... I, I don't do the, the, the target turnaround. The targeting. I don't do the targeting. It's more... I feel like tar- every target is different. So like then you get into Target and you have to find the thing that you want. So then you end up just like walking around and then you see things. You're like, oh yeah, I need, I need one of those. The only time that I do targeting, and this sounds weird, is I will buy like craft and sketching, like sketching and craft and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. I never, this is a, I don't have my backpack with me today, so it's, it sounds. Are you an artist? You're a drawer? Honestly, I like to draw. I like just because you can get ideas out, but 
you never know when you're going to need a notepad to be like, especially when, you know, this a creative space, like again, building a new building and someone's like, Hey, you know, where do we put this thing? And you can explain it or you could just draw it and show them. And so generally speaking, I always have a sketch pad on me and I also like to journal and write just for myself. And so I, I run out of paper a lot. So I will go into target and targeting just in that one aisle of pencils, pens, like, and uh, paper. Like that's really the only place that I'll do that with. It's okay. I have a friend that does that too. He'll like just buy notepads. Like, cool. He's like, oh, this is neat. I like that. I want this. Yeah. Yeah. He'll do that all the time. All right. Well, back to the football game. Uh, what? That was a, that was a random. Time. Yeah. Yeah. That I, I apologize. That was my fault. I'll take the blame on that one. Um, the false starts. Why did they have so many false starts? Iowa State? Yeah. Uh, because Washington State is very smart. Kept I mean, moving the guys around. Mike Leach is a very smart guy. And so understanding that there are a few simple advantages that you can take, you can, that you can exploit in any given football game based on the rules. So the way that they run their defense and the shifts that they moved around in the shifts themselves are not explicitly difficult to resist false starting, but um, you might want to turn this down for a second. Like I'm gonna, I'm gonna try and control my shout. But like, imagine you've got a your your setup, and you you know that there's a snap count. They know that there's a snap count. There's some specific cadence, whether it's number number color ready go or number, number, color, set, whatever, color, something. There's some cadence that they can follow. And so even if you go like on first sound or on one, there's still some pattern which, which they do this. So what they would do, and if you're a tackle and there's 40,000 people in the, stand, in the stands and they're making noise and all of a sudden you're going, ready, set, and then the opposing team goes, shift, like right then, well, oh, you're, you're naturally jumpy. You're, you're, you're ready to hear the hut call. You're mm -hmm. ready to hear the hut go, whatever cadence thing. Mm -hmm. And then you hear that loud noise and they move. Like you can be 95% resistant to that, but in five, the 5% chance that you, you hear a loud noise and they move at the same time. And you just, I mean, I mean, it's like a sneeze. You go very, it's a very short movement, false start. So Washington state does that all the time. And it's very effective because like I said, you could, each individual could be 95% resistant to that thing. But then 95, because of how many possessions you're going to get, how many plays you're going to get, you're going to get 82 offensive snaps. Well, that's five, five false starts across the board that you're, la you're apt to get just because it's a very difficult thing to resist doing. And then as a center, which is why sometimes there's the everybody snaps it, but the center, when you move like that and then you split the linebackers around, the whole play is contingent upon where you identify everything. And they like to identify that before the snap. And especially if he's bringing his head up or even if somebody's tapping him on the hip, like the quarterback, you know, waves his arm and, and calls for a snap. Um, any of that can still happen. But when the center looks up and everything moves and the snap is supposed to happen, and he waits just like that long of shoot. What, what am I doing? What am I doing? What am I doing? Oh, everyone else has moved. You yeah. haven't. So it's just a very, um, it's a very hard thing to do to face that defense. And like I said, you can be 95% right, but that one, that 5% is going to give you a false start. And do you think that that's a situation too, where they're taking advantage of the fact that Iowa state had a redshirt freshman center? Well, I don't think it's necessarily even a redshirt freshman center. I think that's just generally speaking, it's a hard thing to do. Just any 
offensive line is going to have a difficulty, yeah. especially at the far. Co- Coach Campbell, I think, put a little bit of it on I – mean, he put it on the, the center. I mean, he said that's just an instance of our young center not being able to – I don't know that he handled the noise oh, very well. Yeah. I think that the noise was different, I mean, in the dome, mm-hmm. maybe the way that it traveled a little bit as well yeah. just having the crowd and everything like and every, well, really and, just messed him up and movement yeah where you think there's just a lot going on yeah and you're it's, not you're not reacting you're thinking did you watch the sugar bowl last night i did it's just about the way bevo was like staring at the wall like you could have you seen the movie get him to the greek no i have not oh okay well there's a scene in get him to the greek where uh well i'll just say they do a lot of drugs okay in one scene and they're in a russell brand movie yeah, yeah, exactly. Weird. And Jonah Hill. Uh, but they say, stroke the fuzzy wall. It's just this fuzzy wall. And they're like trying to calm themselves down by like rubbing on this fuzzy wall. That's what That's they looked Bevo. like they were doing with Bevo last night. Bevo did not look like he was enjoying his experience. He was Super so Dome. mad. Oh, yeah. He really. He was so mad. He went after Ugga. He did go after Ugga. Uh, did you see the, the play call name that Texas had? Yes. Yeah. That- there is not a more Tom Herman name I for said, a play call than that. I ever. texted Chris and I was like, man, I'm, I might be a Tom Herman guy now after I see that this is how he names his place. So is that a thing that he did when you were there? Uh, I think he, I bet he just allowed uh, the guys to name it themselves and just someone jokingly like brought that name up and he was like, roll with that. Yeah. Cause it's probably, it probably was a play that was like power, like something that the attitude that you have and, and you know, profanity aside, like somebody is going to be offended that there was that that phrase was used. But if you don't have that attitude for yourself on or on uh, power or on ISO, like something that is a downhill run, that's literally, I'm going to move you out of the way. And I don't care if you don't want to move. I'm going to, it's the attitude is we're going to run power. Stop us. Like that's the attitude you have to have when you're running that kind of play. Go truck yourself stitch. Yep. That's, that's the attitude. Yeah. Yeah. I think that that's probably the play that they ran four times in a row on the goal line when they tried to get Sam Ellinger into the yeah, end zone. It, the quarterback yeah. power. That's yeah. Pr- that probably is what it is. Yeah. Because on the note card or on that wrist, the way that those wristbands work, um, we called them jet. And so you'd, you know, you'd call jet eight or signal from the sideline because there's a signal for each number. Um, it's about like the way that a lot of baseball signals will work. There's numbering systems, like you're yeah. supposed to count the numbers and stuff. Yeah. Well, and not even necessarily that, like there's just for us, like the top of your, if you touch, put your hand on the top of your head, it's zero. And you put your hand on your nose, it's one. So like, if you wanted to call 10, you'd go nose, top of your head. So that's just 10. So it's not, it's not a, you know, whatever. It's not surprising. It's not scientific. It's not in scientific. Any way. It's no. just, this is what this signal means. It's like sign language. And so on the jet, you can pack a lot of information in one signal because what we'd do is just go jet, which is just, you know, clap your hands together and then touch the number like for that, like jet eight. So it's like you touch the num- the signal for eight. So you go jet eight, jet eight, jet eight. And then everybody on their wristband, rather than signaling in, let's say the example, it was like F66 sail X corner. Like that's a lot to signal in. If you wanted to go fast right now, then you can just go jet eight. Oh, look at my wristband. It's F66 sale X corner, whatever. And you can pack a lot more information into a few signals so you can go really fast. So the fact that they called the play, you know, truck you stitch, uh, go truck yourself stitch. Oh, that's what it was. Yeah. If, if that's what it was, that's great because then he doesn't have to say those words. He just says jet eight, jet eight, jet eight. It'd be way better if a hot mic picked it up and it's Sam (laughs) Ellinger saying that. (laughs) They just think he's talking a lot of trash and in reality, he's just calling out the play. He's just calling out the play. It's jet eight, man. It's just jet eight. Yeah. 
Oh, yeah, that was awesome. All right, what else do you want to talk about from the game? Um, I I think if we were going to uh, see the last of either Butler or Montgomery, I think that was a good game for them to both go out on. They played... They both played well. They executed the things they wanted to. I think they both also encapsulated all the things they have done this year, both good and bad. Because Butler, to this point in the season, I think Mike Mayock, new GM of the Raiders, said it when he was in the NFL Network, uh, he's first-round talent with second-day consistency, where he can make all of the freak plays and run away from somebody and break seven tackles and do the, the, the jumping one-handed catch in traffic but he also is going to drop the pass at his face. And so you see, you saw at everything good and bad that is part of Hakeem Butler. He had how many, what was it? What was his stat line? Like six for like 180 or something like that. Yeah. Something like that. And so some ridiculous number. And so he had these huge statistics, but also had a few laps of concentration drops. And so I think you got a real good microchasm of that. And then Montgomery was just good at everything. I mean, he ran well, he blocked well. He just he led well. He kept the team calm, kept it calm down a freshman quarterback to recover or to get them back to to playing good football by the end of the game. Mm-hmm. And so I would think if we did see the last of them, I think you got a we got a pretty good picture of everything that was those two. I would think if I'm gonna handicap this, obviously I'm not in an NFL locker room I, or NFL front office. I don't know what the grades are, but I would think Montgomery leaves Butler stays. That's what my my gut would tell me, but I don't know if anything's been official yet. I think that I, I would be absolutely shocked if David was back. Yeah. And I think that that we will probably know sooner rather than later either way, which yeah. means I think that he's, he's gone. I, I can't imagine him coming back. I wouldn't, I would hope he doesn't. Yeah. Because that's, you know, the, I think the thing with Hakeem, I think that one will be more drawn out. And I would say the longer it goes, the more likely that he comes back mm-hmm. is, is my, because my thing with with Butler is the only thing that he's going to gain because his film tells a lot of the story he's going to whether it's this year or next year he's going to be an NFL combine guy he is he is that he's going to be that high of a talent he's going to be a combine guy for sure but and so and he is going to tear up the combine he's going to run well he's going to jump well he's going to test well he's going to interview well he's going to do every he's going to be off the charts at the combine but the combine doesn't test consistency in a game. So that's the only that's I think the only knock against him is that it's the concentration catches. It's the ones that it's you know, you ran a 10 yard out route and the quarterback hits you in the face mask or you're running a dig and he hits you in the belly. Do you bring that ball in? And he's shown over the past year. That's like the only hole in his game because he blocks really well. He runs really well. His attitude for the from what I've been told and from what I've, what I've heard is really good. He makes a spectacular catch and he's a physical freak. It's just that those consistency catches are the one thing. If you're grading him on a scale of NFL talent, NFL wide receivers, that's the one hole in his game. I think right now it would probably take for him to be first, second round pick. It would take there being one team that was just like absolutely in love with them. Yeah. You know, and, mm-hmm. but I, I, yeah, I'm not sure that he would be a, he's probably an, I would think he's probably an early to mid second day guy, which is what second through fourth rounds. Yeah. Second and third, maybe second through fourth round. So he's probably a third round ish talent, which for a wide receiver for, a, if in my book, if you're a third round or earlier running back or linebacker or a high contact position, Get the hell out of here. Like, well, yeah, with, and with a running back, there's been years where we haven't seen the first running back taken until the early in the second round, mm-hmm. you know. So I, I think 
I would be very hard. I'd be shocked if Montgomery's back. I mean, good for him. I think everybody should root for him. And if any, I, I don't think anybody would send any vitriol his way at all. No. And at the end of the day, too, there's going to be, there's two kids coming in that are are legit. Well, and the other know? the other thing, Iowa is, State will not be any. I mean, obviously, you want to have number thirty two, but like at the end of the day, you're not. It's not like it's is, the end of the world. Sheldon's a junior, isn't he? Yeah, Sheldon. So you have Kanae Sheldon, Kane, Johnny Lang, um, and then the two freshman pups that are coming in. But the uh, and the other thing, as far as a, a get the hell out of here when you can, is let's say he sneaks in. You know, we've we've you handy you put it on first the Chiefs. It'd be a great pick for them. He's a guy that can do everything in their offense. He blocks well, runs well, catches stuff out of the backfield. Spencer Ware's contract is already up. They don't want Kareem Hunt. You want to get a high-character kid. Mm-hmm. Boom. Dave Montgomery. There's yep. your guy. Um, and so let's say he sneaks into the first round. One, Iowa State hasn't had a first-round pick in, was it, 30 years? Like yeah, since, I think it was 1974. Yeah. And so, so they haven't had a first-round pick in a long time. So let's say he gets first-round pick. And you're going into some recruits house to say like you know some high level recruit that you're fighting michigan and you know let's say some sec like florida you're you're fighting some you know those schools for this kid some blue bloods some blue bloods and you're going hey we got a first round draft pick last year and he was our he was in our first recruiting class imagine what we can do with you and he was a quarterback and he was a quarterback and imagine what we can do with you and so then you have that in your back pocket as a recruiting pitch, which again, you talk about Nick Saban. Saban's been doing this for long enough. He goes into any defensive lineman's, that's what they're all, I mean, they get, there's good, there's talent across the board in college football, but you think about defensive linemen, where do good defensive linemen go? As they go to Alabama. And so you, or Clemson. Or Clemson. But you go to a good defensive lineman's house and you go, I'm Nick Saban. I put every one of my defensive linemen in the NFL. You're as the mom or the dad, even if the kid wants to go somewhere else, for whatever reason, they go, son, look what this guy does and look how much money you can make on the backside of this go here. And so the more people you can put in the pros and high levels, even if you don't get them for that senior season that you really, really want, shoot, that's a much better recruiting pitch from down the road that look how many guys we're putting in the league that you can actually get back. Like look at Iowa, good offensive linemen. They go to Iowa just because Ference puts them in the NFL. Linebackers, they go to Iowa because you, they put, you put them in the NFL. Tight ends. Tight ends. You can put they two go, of them in the NFL. They go year. to Iowa because they get taken the NFL. So that's, I, 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 I think we saw the last Dave Montgomery and I don't know if we saw the last Keen Butler. I would, I would, if I'm handicapping both, I would say Montgomery is good as gone. Butler will Butler will come back because I don't think his grades going to come back as high as he wants. Like I said, I think I feel better about the idea of Hakeem coming back today than I did five days ago. I'll say that of him coming back. You said, mm-hmm. I think that that's more likely than what I thought last week because of the just, I just, just gut gut feel. Yeah. 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 I, I do think, and he's in a, a position, a good position. I would say this because He's in the Big 12. Like, you're going to get points. Well, and the thing, too, if he comes back, that dude's like a borderline AP All-American going into next year. Mm-hmm. I mean, Chris and I were talking about this that night after the game. Would you be shocked at all to see Hakeem Butler on Heisman-type lists going into or, next season? Or the short list for Bolitnikoff? Yeah. Stuff like that. Oh, he'd be – I mean, he'd be one of the favorites. Yeah. I would have to say. Yeah. Well, you, and the great thing is, is I would say doesn't lose much. On offense. No. They don't lose much at all. I mean, you lose... You use Matt Eaton. Lose David, Matt Eaton, and uh, Sam Seen Buckner. That's it. Mm-hmm. And so you get what you get back. 
from your other skill positions. Josh Johnson has another year under his belt. Tariq Milton has another year under his belt. Deshante Jones has a, is, will, be a senior. will be a senior. You have uh, your tight ends group might be your best position group on the team. You have Chase Allen, who's finally getting healthy again. And then you have Charlie Kolar. You've got two. I mean, you've got threats across the board. And so it's not a thing. And you have Brock Purdy, who's actually going to be comfortable enough. Which and, we, and you return all five starting offensive linemen. So you can, you can in a coverage standpoint, they're going to they're gonna try and double cover Hakeem Butler. But this offense is going to be good enough that they can't. That yeah. They're not going to be able to true Antonio Brown top and bottom bracket coverage every single time. They're just not going to be able to do it. And the other fun part about this is, all right, well, even if they do, what good defenses are going to exist in this conference next year? Texas, maybe TCU, because you can never count out Gary Patterson, and... Iowa State. Yeah. Yeah. All the rest of... Oklahoma's going to be terrible. We know that. Man, if Oklahoma's defense had even had a pulse on Saturday, they would have won. Jay and I, we, we did that last part. He texted me with that, that night. He's like, mine and Jeff's uh, text conversation <laughs> during this is epic. <laughs> it's just like, what the hell is going on? Anyway, but I think... I, I think They bounced back good, though. What were they down? 28 nothing. Yeah, that was 28-0. Yeah. yeah. I mean, they were within... They had a chance to go down one score. You mean Kyler Murray point. and a bunch of people had a chance to hey, win the game? Hey, whatever, man. He's a. Did you see what Quinnen Williams the interview with him? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and he's like, he, he I think man, he wanted, Kyler, Kyler Murray ain't even all that. <laughs> <laughs> what was that? I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> I love that someone said it was like, uh, it's like he saw the wrath of Nick Saban just flash <laughs> yeah, in front of his eyes. Nick Saban's angry stare like yeah. right in front of him. Right. And then after the game, they asked him what he wanted to say. And he was like, I wasn't trying to make myself look like a fool. And it's like, well, <laughs> buddy already did. Yeah. You, you looked like a fool. And then Kyler Murray came out and he, and he did the dang thing. Mm-hmm. They, they still, although Quinn and Williams also did the dang thing. Quinn and Williams. Well, is yeah. Like, Quinn and Williams is a freak. He's dude. so good. He's Aaron Donald jr. Well, when that first, that first drive that Oklahoma had, when, Murray tried to like that. There was a lane on the right side where you've seen it a hundred times already this season where he would escape out and he'd either run for like 12 yards and then slide or he would, you know, kind of go out and then all of a sudden CD lambs wide open. He hits him mm-hmm. 25 yards down the field. And right when he tried to go through that seam, one of their, their defensive end just had squeezed. his big old paw on him and just got a hold of him and like slung him to the ground. I was like, Oh my goodness. Well, the funny thing is, is like, it's about to be like this tonight. I think, that uh, that let me chalk that one up to luck because he got the the defensive end got one of his fingers in the shirt sleeve yeah of Kyler Murray if he didn't get that shirt sleeve that's probably a big play but still just think how strong that individual is to catch someone the Heisman Trophy winner by the finger <laughs> on his shirt sleeve and get him onto the ground that's a that's a very athletic individual very athletic yeah. individual. Those guys are real good. Yeah. Uh, we're going to take a quick break, and then we will do some season wrap-up awards here on Football and Random Things from the Carl Chevrolet Studios, presented by Iowa Diamond. Hey, guys. It's Chris interrupting this podcast because, you know, everybody wants to know that I get it asked all the time. How can we help Cyclone Fanatic? Well, you help Cyclone Fanatic by you support our advertisers and everybody needs to be aware of eye care. I wasn't for a long time and I went to 
Ames Eye Care, and they really helped me out. It's changed my life. I don't have headaches the way that I did. You've heard me talk about this. They're also in Des Moines at Des Moines Eye Care. And you need to think about this with your family. Get the kids checked out. Encourage the wife. Anything. Personalized eye care. Designer eyewear. I've got these sweet Maui gym glasses that I use at work all the time. People think they look awesome. They meet your whole family's vision needs at Ames and Des Moines Eye Care. Check them out today and support Cyclone Fanatic. This Cyclone Fanatic podcast is brought to you by Nationwide. Did you know that Nationwide is the official insurance provider for Iowa State University alumni? They offer Cyclone alumni discounts for auto, boat, motorcycle, RV, and pet insurance. To find out more, visit nationwide.com slash Iowa State or talk to one of their agents today. Time to do some awards on football and random things from the Carl Chevrolet Studios presented by Iowa Diamond. I got to meet Jay Jordan. I want to say that first before we give out our awards. Big man. He is a big man. He, uh, he tried to put an elbow through my chest and put me through a pool table. I thought he wanted to fight me. I thought I did something wrong. And in reality, he was just... It, it turns out when you roughhouse with football players, they are much rougher than, yep. than the average human being. They are. Yeah. It's like one day you... Uh, I think I was messing with you and then you like acted like you were going to suplex me. And I was like, ah, yeah, I'm not going to do that ever again. <laughs> this is not a wise move. Yeah. He told me he was going to ambush, ambush you. He did. And he, he did. Yeah, he did. Mission accomplished. Yeah, mission accomplished. Good work, Jay. Oh. Jay's a heck of a guy, though. It was, a, it was an experience. I've never met him in person still. Just over the phone. Well, I'm sure you will eventually. I hope so. I think he said he's going to come to Ames next year. Ooh. I think so. Like that, that could be a lie. But now I put it out there. So now we need to just put pressure on him to come to there Ames next go. year. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. We'll just try and... Peer pressure. Yeah, exactly. Peer pressure wins out over everything. Nerds. Nerds. Yeah, you're a nerd. All right. Time to give out our awards. First one, I've got some candidates. If you have any others that you want to throw in there as possible candidates, uh, we can we can do that. Okay, you can make some okay. nominations, some write-in nominations. Okay, offensive MVP. I don't know if there's any real question on this one. We might as well just name this the uh, the David Montgomery offensive MVP award. Yeah. No, uh, actually, I'm going to name it the Troy Davis offensive MVP award because that probably is the only other guy in Iowa State history that the offense was more reliant on. Than David Montgomery. Yeah. Yeah. Or, uh, well, no, Meyer had some guys to throw to. So it wasn't like the Brett Meyer offense. Yeah. His, yeah. I mean, he also got beat out by the end of his career, too. Fast and not. It's true. So, Troy uh, Davis. So it will be the Troy Davis Award. Uh, the Troy Davis Award for the offensive MVP candidates are David Montgomery, end, Hakeem, of, li- end of list, Hakeem Butler, and, uh, and Brock Purdy. It, End of list. I mean, it, it's David Montgomery's award. You saw, granted, there was the one game that he wasn't in there, which was a wild card when they played Oklahoma State because they ne- no one had any film on Brock Purdy, mm-hmm. and then Purdy tore it apart. But then any time that he was out or injured or not fully healthy for the remainder of the season, that game didn't happen. And shoot, Drake, Iowa State might lose the Drake game if David Montgomery isn't David Montgomery. Correct. That is, and Butler is, I don't mean to say this and to, to, take away from him, but Butler's only as successful as he is with a freshman quarterback because of David Montgomery. Because if David Montgomery doesn't command every eyeball on the field, then Montgomery, or the next guy that does is 
Hakeem Butler. And Hakeem Butler mm-hmm. then gets double coverage because a freshman quarterback isn't confident enough to get there. But because whenever, hey, when in doubt, I, I don't know what to do here. All right, hand it to 32. He's going to do something with it. So I, it, I don't think there's any real question if it's, it's Dave Montgomery and everybody else. Yeah, I've, I've made the uh, executive decision. It will be the Davis Montgomery Offensive MVP Award. Ah. So it's, it's just like in the Big Ten where they have two names for every award. It'll be the Davis Montgomery uh, Offensive MVP. It just sounds like the David Montgomery. Da- no, it's Davis Montgomery. No, it sounds like you're just saying the but David Montgomery Award. But it's Davis Montgomery hyphen Montgomery. Oh, okay. Well, thanks, thanks for the clarification. You're welcome. Uh, defensive MVP. Who We got to name this after somebody. I was thinking... Uh, the Lane Klein defensive MVP for well the the Jake was there too with AJ yeah mm, yeah I know he was but uh, is there any I mean there's somebody like Ace Bowen or somebody yeah with, like uh, back in the day or even like an Ellis Hobbs mm-hmm. well okay so there we, well we've, we've thrown a lot of names out there. Pick two. Pick two. Let's go uh, the Hobbs-Klein. Okay. The Hobbs-Klein defensive MVP. I'm going to write it down real quick because I'll probably make this into a thing. All right. The Hobbs-Klein defensive MVP. Candace are Greg Eisworth, team's leading tackler. Willie Harvey, Jaquan Bailey, Brian Peavy, and Ray Lima. Interesting list. Who else would you throw in there? I think Mike Rose, Mike had, Rose a, had a case. But right? he, he rotated enough that he's not the most valuable player. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I think the... Uh, and he maybe could have a case, but, but he, he missed also missed five, some time. Four or yeah. five games. Um, I think to me, the I, I think that's probably the end of the list yeah. as far as most valuable. But I, I don't know. The, the name, the two that come to mind the most are PV and Lima are the two that to me were the most valuable players because Harvey was really good, but they also, there's also a ton of linebackers that could rotate in. And so he did end up actually rotating in and out. Yep. PV never left the field and Lima for a defensive tackle. Probably, I don't know what his snap share was, but it had to be even when Johnson came on the field, that was, it was mostly past situations and the rest of it, he was on the field and the rush defense of Iowa state was the staple of them being good for as long as they were, which was the majority of the season, except when, that three game, three, four game stretch when they started, when they gave up, you know, it was Baylor and whatever, whatever. Um, but Lima was the cornerstone of that. And he's not the thing with Ray Lima is he's not a, a big TFL guy. He's not a big sack guy, but he is a, everybody is able to make the tackles that they want to make unencumbered by blockers because of Ray Lima. So I don't know. I'm like 51 49. I'm leaning towards Lima over Peavy. But those are the only two guys I think that would that I would give the award to, even though Willie Harvey played a big role in the game or big role in it. Greg Eisworth played a big role in it. But most valuable to me means if you take this guy off the field for any given stretch, the defense gets worse. And I think PV and Lima because PV would shut down half the field and Lima would shut down would would is the cornerstone of shutting down the run to let those 18 young linebackers that they were playing in actually run around. So does that mean I have the deciding vote, or does that mean we're going to give a co-award? Uh, you, and if, if you have a strong deciding opinion between Ray Lima and Brian Peavy... I can't disagree with anything that you said, so that's what I'm... So let's co-this one. Okay, we'll co-this one. It'll be... 
Brian Peavy, Ray Lima, Co, Hobbs Klein, defensive. We could put that up on, on the, the social media and just put oh, those two as options. Yeah, we, we will. We will. Okay. Uh, rookie of the year. I'm going to make this one the Meyer Blythe rookie of the year because mm. both of those guys own like the freshman Bones. records. Yeah. So that's the Meyer Blythe rookie of the year. Brock Purdy, Mike Rose, Tariq Milton, and Charlie Kohler. Hmm. Tariq Milton and Charlie Kohler are, are, are nice additions to the list, mm-hmm. but I think it's really Purdy versus Rose, and I think it has to be Brock Purdy. Yeah. He, he changed the trajectory of Iowa State's season. Right. I honestly think this may sound uh, a little bit sacrilegious, I think that Mike Rose will have a significantly better career by the time he's done than Brock Purdy. And I even think that that starts next year. I'm not saying that Brock Purdy isn't going to be really good, but how often have we seen a good quarter or have a quarterback have a good season? And then the next year, not that they have a poor season, but do not live up to the expectations they had from the first year because the quarterback is the easiest guy to scout because the entire offense flows through him. So now that teams have an entire, uh, let's call it an entire season, an entire season of film and an off season on Brock Purdy and Iowa state is no longer going to catch anybody by surprise. It's not, I mean this year, I don't think it did. I think most teams inside, you know, the, the, the coaching office were probably, Hey, we need to take this team seriously, but to to an extent there's probably, you know, teams would be like, ah, it's still just Iowa state. It ain't going to happen again. The two consecutive really good years, and returning all of this talent that they're returning, they're probably a preseason top 15 team. I'm going to guess. If they're not a preseason top 15, the preseason top 20. So they're not going to sneak up on anyone. And so then you have a target on your back and you have a quarterback that has a full year of stuff underneath or a full year of film underneath his belt. This next year is going to be really hard for Brock Purdy to be really good. Mike Rose still has Ray Lima, still has Enya Wazirike, still has Jaquan Bailey, still has Jamal Johnson, still has his whole defensive line in front of him. And there's not a lot you can really like linebackers can progress linearly. A lot of times quarterbacks progress on a, on a roller coaster curve. Cause but, it, cause that still is predicated a lot on what's around you. Right. Yeah. So I, I think that Purdy next year, he is, we're going to have some more growing pains mm-hmm. and he's going to have to do things differently. He's going to have, he's going to have to get better from throwing on time in the pocket because he may, he makes, he was makeshift a lot of the time with his plays, which I'm not saying is bad whatsoever. Aaron Rodgers has made literally hundreds of millions of dollars doing that. But Aaron Rodgers also throws from the pocket as good as any quarterback ever. So when I I think that's the next thing that Purdy has to get good at is being on rhythm, on target in the pocket. Then once that's down, I mean, Baker, like this tape, because I think honestly, Baker is a pretty apt comparison for Brock Purdy from a skill set and attitude standpoint is you get, Baker's best attribute is him throwing from the pocket, but then we'll make things happen outside of that accurately with good decision-making. So I think that what that's what he needs to do is just continue to get better in the pocket. But I think per, Purdy has to win the award for the, the Meyer Blythe freshman of the year, newcomer freshman of the year, rookie of the year. Um, and Mike Ro- but I think Mike Rose um, has the better career over the course of four years. And that's, this is, a, a champagne problem of which one you're picking. Yeah, yeah. So it's not a slight, I don't think it's a slight to Brock Purdy. I think it's a compliment more to Mike Rose. Well, and I think we can say too that, I mean, that middle linebacker position in the last two years has had two different people play it 
and they've both been really good. Why? Uh, and I think a lot of that is probably because of the guy that's right in front of 76, him, which, and then, we, which we already talked about. And then yeah. also having three and 50 on either side of him. Yeah. You've got, you have a very good defensive line, not yeah. just an okay defense. You have a very good defensive line in front of you and not a lot of fear that you, your coach is going to put you in a bad spot. Yeah. So like there's full faith in John Haycock that if I just do what I need to do, everybody else is going to do what they're going to do and we're going to get this thing done. So I, I would, I think Purdy one rose two, but Rose has the better year next year. And I think the better career. I'm going to make a motion for a, another new award. What's uh, this? This is a career achievement award uh, for Willie Harvey, because I don't think he's going to get an award, but uh, the guy's going to finish in the top six in tackles for loss in the program history. And I think he's eighth in sacks in program history. Who do we name that after? I don't know. That's just, that can just be career, career achievement. Yeah, I'm down with it. It's like underappreciated guy. Unsung the whole time. Yeah. Just like was was really good for four years and we just never really gave him enough attention maybe, you know? Yeah. I'm down for it. All right. So there we go. There's the Willie Harvey career achievement award. There we go. We'll name it after Willie. Named after Willie Harvey. There we go. Uh, All right. Performance of the year. I don't have a name for this one either. I, I, here, we'll do a... Well, this will be the Steel Jance Performance of the Year Award. <laughs> oh, the man, the myth, the enigma, Steel Jance. Steel Jance Performance of the Year. Uh, Brock Purdy versus Oklahoma State. 18 for 23, 318 yards, four touchdowns, one interception, 84 yards rushing, and a touchdown. Uh, David Montgomery versus West Virginia. 29 carries, 189 yards, and one touchdown. It was really hard to pick one for Hakeem Butler. Because he had so many. Because he had a lot of games. When OU he did a has lot. to be the one. It, I went with OU, mm-hmm. and I was like, man, I'm not going to put every ridiculous game Hakeem Butler had on this list. Uh, but he had five catches, 174 yards, and two touchdowns. And I picked it at the end of the day because it was a good team, and it was the only one he had multiple touchdowns. And he made Carnell Motley look like yeah. a total. And, yeah. And he, he made people look really stupid. Yeah. Uh, Another one, Willie Harvey against Kansas State. Eight tackles, two tackles for loss, two sacks, one forced fumble. A very big forced fumble. And that forced fumble, we'll talk about that one again in just a second. And then lastly, the Iowa State defensive line versus West Virginia with seven sacks basically controlled the entire football game. So are we talking, is this the the hardest to accomplish or the most important? I'd say most important. So I think West Virginia is the, the defensive line against West Virginia might have been the most important one. Um, that was a statement. That or, yeah, because Montgomery, his, him doing everything against West Virginia was what made, what made it feel like we can win, we can win this game. But yeah, I mean, that, the defensive line is what made it like, yeah, they kicked their ass. Yeah, that was yeah. it. We, we are here. Like that is, a, that is an arrival moment. That you took what the guy, Will Greer at the time was third in the Heisman, I think. It was behind Tua and Kyler and, and, and he ended Will up Greer. finishing fourth. So. Well, still, but he, that bumped him down to probably fifth or sixth, I would think. I mean, yeah. right, right away after that game, they, they took him. I think he had, I don't remember what, it was like 67 or 100, like 67 total yards because he had like 100 passing and negative 33 rushing. That was as impressive of a performance against a very good team as any defense that Iowa state has ever trotted out there. And I think that has to be the one that you go with is just a collective, the defensive line and linebacking, just the front seven, because Willie Harvey had some sacks in that game. Um, 
the the other like Mike Rose had a sack in that game, I think. And I think that was the defensive line versus West Virginia was the most impressive, the most unexpected, and also the most important. So there are other times, you know, and that might all just be just taking guys like Butler and Montgomery for granted that, yeah, Akeem Butler just destroying people the entire year. It became commonplace that like against Kansas, those two giant touchdown passes that he had in back to back drives. You're like, yeah, that's about right. But other years we would have killed for the capacity for someone to do that. And now you had Lazard and Butler in back to back years doing that against teams. So I think it's I would have to go with the defensive line versus West Virginia because of the difficulty of doing that. Because mm-hmm. Greer was very, very good. Was and is very, very good. All right. So congratulations to the Iowa State defense for winning the Steel Jans Performance of the Year Award. That's a great name. That is a great name. Uh, I think that Brock Purdy's game against Oklahoma State, that was probably the most surprising one. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was kind of like the, if we were going to do a breakout performance of the year. It was like, wow. Right. Well, that look at I, you, buddy. I think the season to an extent did hinge on that mm-hmm. a little bit where all of a sudden that guy came in and was like really dynamic. And we're like, damn, OK, maybe we have an offense now. Yeah. You know, uh, Montgomery versus West Virginia, I think, is a game that when we look back at it, It'll be like that was probably his that best was game. His, that was the most David, that was the most David Montgomery game. Right, twenty nine carries for one hundred and eighty nine yards. Like he was just pure workhorse. You know, go go truck yourself, snitch. Yeah, exactly. And then you know everybody, the Hakeem one against Oklahoma will be more remembered for those two plays. That will be like in highlight tapes forever. So when he does get drafted, ne- this year or next year. He, those are the plays that they're going to put up. Yeah, that one as well as another one of the candidates for play. Hakeem, again, we're going to do play of the year next. Uh, and I'm going to just give the, the, the name of the award will be the Hakeem Butler play of I the year. I think that's fair. Yeah. I think that's fair. It'll be the Hakeem Butler play of the year award because for two years in a row, the dude has made ridiculous plays. Was it Baylor last year? Yeah. Yeah. That, like, I think that he won last year in our staff voting that we mm-hmm. did for the for play of the year. Um, well, actually, no, Allen did for the touchdown oh, the Oklahoma yeah, against Oklahoma. But no, Hakeem is going to his name will don this one, uh, regardless of whether or not he wins. Uh, all right. Hakeem Butler Player of the Year Award. Brock Purdy's touchdown run against Oklahoma State, because it was another one of those where he high stepped into the end zone, mm-hmm. where I think that was kind of like an eye opening moment where like we're like, damn, this kid's got some nuts. Yeah. Like, OK, this kid might be legit. Uh Hakeem Butler's get off me touchdown versus Oklahoma. Which one? The first one or the second one? The first one when he was throwing people off. Yes. Him. Yeah. Uh, the Harvey Rose sack. Strip, strip sack fumble. Strip sack uh, touchdown against Kansas State. Marcel Spears pick six against Texas Tech. Butler's defender toss against Kansas. That was fun. And then Brock Purdy to Deshante Jones against West Virginia. That was the touchdown that uh, ended up setting up the the light show at Jack Trice Stadium mm-hmm. and which kind of the, the is there a official mo- arrival I was going to say, is there a moment of the year? Because I think that has to be the moment of that. The moment of the year for, to jump forward for an award that may not even exist that we can make up is it has to be the strip sack or the everyone's cell phones being on at Jack Trice after the Deshante Jones touchdown. That was the coolest. I, that was where I think the light switch flipped for like you said it was the we're here but it wasn't uh because of that defensive line being so dominant and the offense coming back and not just letting people down of being like oh one side of the ball is playing really well 
It's that one side of the ball is playing really well, and the other side picked up complimentary football on the other side. And then uh, everyone in the stands finally was like, shit, we're, we're actually good. Yeah. This isn't, we're not just surprising people. We're actually good. Oh my God, we're actually good. And started feeling like it wasn't just a fluke. And for the first time in like three years of Campbell being here, it doesn't feel like a fluke anymore. It doesn't feel like, well, we're at some point, you know, get the nut cups out. At some point, it's going to come out. I think that was the quintessential moment that did that. But play of the year, I, it has to be the, the Butler Oklahoma touchdown because it's like the Kansas touchdown on steroids where he threw like three people and it was, <laughs> and Zeb didn't even put the ball in, no. in a terrific, it was a good read. Yeah. But it was kind of through, he, he had to kind of put a two ball on there where it was a, a little bit, uh, and over a linebacker, it was a good ball. It wasn't a great ball. <laughs> right. Butler broke like four tackles. That has to be the play of the year of just stupid. I think that one, and then the the Harvey the strip sack and the strip sack is the other one. I mean yeah. that that because that the whole game flipped on that play. You yeah, know? I mean that in that game felt really freaking good to win. Yeah, so it was just like yeah. So let's can we co this one. Or do we? Put I think it's. To it? I think it's fitting to give Hakeem Butler the Hakeem Butler Player of the Year award. That's probably fair. That's With, probably fair. But this is why we gave Willie the Career Achievement Award because know? he's been overlooked by everybody. Yeah, because all of the things that I mean, there's he's last had year. cases for last every year award he a, he's been nominated. Last year he has a great season. Joel Lanning has a great season. This year he has a great season, and Ray Lima and Brian Peavy have great seasons. And Mike Rose takes the freshman. You know, he's a linebacker and he takes the the star, and then big plays and somebody else makes a big play just misses it. Yeah. Shout out to Willie though. Sucked to see his career end the way that it did. Yeah. All right. So this is the rising star award and this one's a little different. Got some different names in this one than the freshman of the year award, but there is some guys that are, that are from the same category. Mm -hmm. Brock Purdy and Mike Rose are exempt because I feel like both of them are already stars on some level, not rising stars. You know what I'm saying? All right. I've got Jake Hummel, uh, okay. Anthony Johnson, Daytron Young, Tariq Milton, Charlie Kohler, and Braxton Lewis. Is Greg Eisworth not on the list? I think he's probably in that. I mean, he led the team in tackles. So, so he always qual- already qualifies as, quote, star. He was the Big 12 newcomer of the year, first team all Big 12 guy. Yeah. I think the my gut when you said this award said Charlie Kolar. Mm-hmm. My, that's what my gut said. Because Chase Allen's a really good player, and he beat him out for the job. Yeah. And for the most part, I mean, granted, there's next year, there's... I That might be... The, between Kolar, Saner, and Allen, I am, that might be the group that I'm the most excited for. Because I don't know what they do. Because Ch- Chase Allen's a really good blocker, so he might just fill the Sam Seenbuckner role. But also, Dylan Saner is 6'8", 280, mm-hmm. and, can pl- and can block. So then does Charlie Kolar become your, basically your flex receiving tight end and Chase Allen comes in to be your F or your H. And then when you want to put three tight ends in there, you can split Allen and Saner both out there or Allen and um, Kolar both out there and put Saner down as a tight end. And then you have Butler and Tariq Milton. I mean, you, you have so many options from that. And I think that all stems from Charlie Kolar's kind of very quick ascension that he, he started getting snaps because Chase Allen got hurt again. And then he kept the job when Allen started to get healthy. And I think Allen was finally like fully healthy for the bowl game, which is why he got to do is what he do what he did. But I think Charlie Kolar is the 
is the guy that would would most fit this rising star category. I think he's going to be really good by the time he's done. Yeah, I agree with that. Uh, we're going to name that one after Marcel Spears because I think he had a season like that last year that where just came out of nowhere. Where it just came out of nowhere and just kind of became a. All of a sudden, we're like, man, we don't have to worry about that position very much, you know, mm-hmm. with guys like him and Willie and all of them. All right, finally, team MVP. Uh, this is going to be the Lazard Laning team MVP. Okay. Because I think they split it last year and that seems fitting just for how important those guys were to this entire thing. Lazard Laning team MVP, David Montgomery and rest of list. Hakeem Butler, Brock Purdy, Brian Peavy, Ray Lima. And I threw Jaquan Bailey in there too. Eight sacks this season. It's now it's, I was tied for Iowa State's all time. Leading it's in. Dave Montgomery. Yeah, it's got to be Dave Montgomery. It's Dave Montgomery. And then a bunch of other dudes. I mean, we talked about it week after week that his the entire offense is predicated on, look how good he is. Even if that even if he's not remotely involved in the play, he's just stepping up in a three-step drop and he's blocking the defensive end. The first one or first three-tenths of a second, every eyeball on the field is watching number 32 to see what he does. And then everything else comes off of that because he is that good. And then from an intangible standpoint, no matter what the situation was, he was always the leveling factor with you have a freshman quarterback who's never really played college football before. And even after a game or two, he would make some really stupid mistakes, but then come back, play well, because you have number 32 as a security blanket. He's your banky. Like something is going wrong. Give it to 32, figure it out. Like we're going to be fine. And then you go out and make a big pass to Keen Butler. So I think from a, both an intangible and an intangible point, I think Dave Montgomery is the MVP of the entire season. Yeah. I got to agree with that. I can't think of any way to argue it, but what a year, man. It was fun. It was fun. And now the, the fun part is we talked about it last year that last year going into this year that, yeah, you lose landing, you lose Lazard, you know, that's tough. But this team still has a lot of pieces coming back. Mm-hmm. This team to next year has even more pieces coming back at all the most cr- critical positions, except again, tailback, but we're not hurting for tailbacks behind Dave Montgomery, especially once you start getting the much more snaps with the ones you get Kanae Wangu swinging around at the ones a lot more. Now that he's got a full season healthy, he kind of played more significant snaps or you get, you know, Johnny Lang to whatever you get those freshman pups. Maybe one of those guys steps up and starts dominating camp. I wouldn't be surprised if Brees Hall is Iowa State starting running back by the midway point of next season. Yeah, I mean, they're, the, the room is five deep yeah. of good players. Sheldon, Johnny, Kane, and then the two freshmen. Legitimately five deep at that position. And uh, like I said, we've, we've mentioned the tight ends group is potentially the best group on the team. And the wide receivers group's not short for talent anyway, especially because assuming that Butler comes back, and even if he doesn't, you still have Jones, Milton, Johnson. You have more talented young guys coming in. Um, I, don't, I don't think people have seen Josh Johnson in full capacity yet. He's, he was still learning this year. I think he's going to be a dynamic other side for... Hakeem Butler, because I I don't I think they played the same. I think both played X. Mm -hmm. I I bet Johnson moves over to Z and lets depending on what Butler decides. But if Butler probably still stays stays at X, I bet Josh Johnson moves over to play Z, and then Milton is your Milton and Jones split the slot reps. That Joseph Gates kid's supposed to be the real deal too. If he can get his head out of his butt. Landon Acres is 
back, but I think Landon Akers just needs to get more consistent. He's super fast, super fast, but I think he just needs more, gets more consistent. It seemed like he, as the season went on too, he looked less and less like a small child wearing someone's pads. <laughs> he, he moved the, the, the belt line of his pants off of his belly button down. A I wonder bit. if someone got to him, got in his ear. Like, hey, they've buddy, been listening to football and random buddy, things. You need to take your pants and move them off your rib cage. Let's just put, <laughs> put them that way. Because that's, that's, not where that's not where your belt line's supposed to go. It looked like the way, you know how football pads used to be where you had the things sticking out? Oh, yeah. You had to, you had to lace them through your pants and also lace them yeah. through your pads. It took way too long. Yeah. It looked like that. Yeah. And so you finally like... He grew up a right. little bit, but no. Right. Anyway, you got Lane Acres, which, like I said, just needs to. He just needs to get more. Mm-hmm. I think aggressive at the point to go get the ball that is there because he's a really good route runner, really stup- stupid fast. He just needs to, when the ball comes to him, be more aggressive and more confident to that spot. And then you have Butler, Acres, Johnson, Milton, Jones, right off the top of my head, plus another Jalen Martin. Jalen Martin. You have those the Sean Shaw. All those you got plenty youngsters. of guys, yeah. and so you lose Eaton, but you got plenty of guys coming through the hopper. Uh, the offensive line, all five come back. The defense, you're starting three, and you got some of those pups that were highly touted that are all of a sudden going to be they're not redshirting anymore, not redshirting They've anymore. They've been in a strength yep. cycle for mm-hmm. a full year. You and then on the defense, your defensive line, you're starting three or back. You get a guy like Will McDonald another year to actually put on get you know get up over two hundred. Zach Peterson, Zach Peterson, uh, Isaiah, Isaiah Lee, Isaiah Lee uh, Jamal or Jamal Johnson. Jamal Johnson. Um, that Blake Peterson kid's pretty good too. The freshman. Or yeah. He'd be a freshman. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, you've got good guys. And Matt Leo's back. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's he just needs to continue learning. I think he'll. He, I bet he makes a big jump next year. That's a guy that he'll have a good <laughs> season next year. And then like six years from now, he will have played six seasons in the NFL and he'll have been like a, he'll just be a freak for somebody. Cause he doesn't know what he's doing right now. Right. Yeah. He still has no idea what he's doing. Plays too high, take or cuts off angles. And that's all experience. And he's really been playing. Not like I said, it's not that long. He's been playing football for four years. Now. Yeah. And uh, at a position that is relatively complicated. Yeah. Um, but anyway, you have all three of those guys back and then at the linebacker position, you lose Willie, but you return the other three. Yeah. And you, two well, and a half. You, and you got Vance and Hummel. Yeah, Vance and Hummel behind him. The Pulvermacher kid's supposed to be pretty good, too. So you've got plenty of kids. And then safeties, all three are back. Both safeties. Or yeah, well, DeAndre uh, Payne was a safety yeah. corner. But you bring back Eisworth, Lewis, and White. Yep. And then you got Young and Johnson and on then, the corner And your spots. corners. Yeah, I mean, you've got... The, the team is stacked coming back for next year. Yeah. Even without Montgomery, even without... It, let's say Butler doesn't come back. I mean, you obviously want Hakeem Butler and you want Dave Montgomery. But even if they don't, they're still going to be pretty damn good. Yeah. So this off season is going to be actually fun again, where it's not, well, we had a good season. I hope we have a good season again. It's I had a, we had a good season last year. We're going to have a good season again. I don't know what the over under is going to be set at right now, but if it's anything less than seven and a half, I would be shocked. Genuinely shocked. I would, I would honestly bet the over under that Vegas comes out with is somewhere around eight and a half. Cause again, I don't think the conference is gonna be that good. Mm-hmm. The conference, it's not going to be, you know, the Big Ten East. It's not going to be that league. Yeah. It's going to be... Oklahoma's going to be good. They always are. West Virginia's going to take a step back because Holgerson's gone. So they're not going to be that good. Texas... That was, was kind of out of nowhere. Well, not really, but I feel like he sort wanted... Of he nowhere. really wanted out. Yeah. But, um, you know, Texas is going to be good. I think Texas is going to be the favorite next year. But Texas is going to be good. Oklahoma's going to be good. But I don't know if I, Iowa State doesn't match up talent for talent across the board with OU. And Kyler Murray's going to be gone. Yeah. So... What's there to fear? I mean, Texas, if Iowa State didn't play like garbage in the first half against Texas because they had because there was no Montgomery, the entire focus of their offense was gone. 
there's nobody in the league that you don't not I'm not I don't, I don't say expect to win, but there's nobody that you'd be shocked to win against, and there's nobody you expect to lose against in the in the entire conference. Except Baylor's going to be Baylor. They're score ten thousand points and give up ten thousand and one. Texas Tech's going to score ten thousand points, give up ten thousand and one. Kansas State is going to be Kansas. Kansas State's going to be boring as hell because they just got Bill Snyder minus thirty years. So I, I this off season will be extremely enjoyable because there will be a lot to look forward to. And then the other thing that I don't wish this to happen, but it is going to happen. Somebody's going to get hurt in spring ball, in off-season drills. And if you look around at all the depth and the positions, there's not any one guy that's critical to the team. Right? I mean, if you look at the most critical, you'd probably say Brock Purdy is mm-hmm. the most critical. And that's just because we haven't seen any other guys. Yeah, Rayal Mitchell. We don't him. know what Rayal Mitchell is, but yeah. I would assume. He did play. Yeah, he, he did. did play. He did. He did. But you get Rayal Mitchell. Receiver, but he did play. But you get you get other guys to actually take snaps because yeah. of the five returning offensive linemen, really talented tight ends group, really talented running back group, really talented wide receiver group. As long as you have a guy that's just competent, that just knows what he's doing, he's going to do okay. So it's not reliant upon one guy or any one guy to get the thing done right. Right. It's that's I, I'm very excited to see. I'm very confident going into next year, regardless of what happens with these two, like I said, with Butler Montgomery and regardless of what happens with development of other guys or even you know, independent of injuries like, oh, shoot, you know, I'm, I'm knocking on woods. X player gets hurt. But OK, cool. We have a next guy up attitude. We have a next guy up depth. That's the fun part. It's like eight months from today. Be fun. Who is it? Eight months from today. No, who is it? Who who's the who's the season opener? Oh, Northern Iowa, I think. She quit playing. Yeah, Chris is on the <laughs> quit playing Northern Iowa train. There's no upside. Absolutely no. Yep. Okay, actually, it's August 31st. That they're not appreciative. They don't, they don't appreciate Iowa State's contribution to Northern Iowa football. They don't. Athletics. Here, yeah, Chris is gonna. He's going to hop on. Did you know Iowa State's bye week is the second week of the season next year? That's dumb. Yeah, it's right before the Iowa game. So then they play 11 straight? It looks like that way. Yep. Yep. It's a tough draw. Yeah, that's tough. What's up, Chris Williams? I just got them um, putting together that thing so that you guys have to get your deadlines in on time now. Otherwise, it will like, give you a bad grade. Oh, you just got it done? Well, I got it put together. You need to go and sign in. Oh, okay. Yeah. So y'all are going to be like graded and stuff on being on time now. Well, looks like I'm getting an F. That would mean that you would have to log on to our like staff stuff every once in a while <laughs> to see what the hell is going on. I'm a, I, I love how you still mention Jeff in the Slack as if he's actually there. <laughs> I know. Like, well, it's, it's actually it's this very handy form of technology. I, but the I, key is people have to get on it. Well, here's the reason why I, I turned off the notifications because I would go to work and I have to work for like three and a half hours and I cannot look at my phone to clear messages and come back and there's like 987 missed messages. Yeah, ain't, we're working. Ain't any reason that I and there's no way that I can get through 987 messages with any type of context. So if I just didn't read any of them, you're going to summarize the thing that I need to know out of those 987 the next time I see you. That's how it works. That's how I made this work. Uh, anyways, Iowa State should not play Northern Iowa anymore. I'm done with them. After this whole Big Four Classic thing, screw it. 
So would you say I, don't play an FCS team at all? or just No, you can play FCS teams, but pay, play the ones that are appreciative of the giant check that they're getting. Northern Iowa, like, it's a very small portion of their fan base, but they think that they're, like, above the, like, FCS thing. Like, screw it. Go get your money from somewhere else. It's probably the Iowa fans that actually it's, went it's to Northern Iowa. It's the Tavern Iowa. Hawks. Yeah, yeah, or it's, not, it's, it's the, the Purple Hawks. Pur- it's the yeah. Purple Hawks. The That's purple who Hawks. it is. It's the, it's the folks who will cheer against I Iowa State two consecutive games you, their season. athletics director, David Harris, appreciates the hell out of that game. And Mark David Harris is does. a great man. Yeah. It's the, the yippity fans, the little chihuahua fans that don't understand how economics and college sports work. And I'm tired of hearing about it. I'm done with it. Quit playing them. They're all so good. Chris, can we get your thoughts on the name of our awards? So we already handed them out. I'm not going to tell you who we I think the to. easy award, the clonies. Well, well no. It, we named them after players. So it's the Davis Montgomery Offensive MVP. We're assuming Davis not coming back. So we no, just, he's, he's gone. Yeah, Davis Montgomery. Uh, Troy Davis. Uh, we have the Hobbs Klein Defensive MVP. I like it. Yeah. Uh, the Meyer Blythe Rookie of the Year. Interesting. Uh, just because they both yeah. have like a bunch of the freshman records. Scout team all-stars that year. Yeah. Their redshirt year. Uh, the Steel Jants performance of the year. Nice. Uh, we have the Hakeem Butler play of the year just because he could have won. Like yeah. every play possibility could have been by Hakeem. Understandable. And yeah. for, for two straight years. Yeah, for two years in a row. Uh, the Marcel Spears rising star. Okay. And then the Lazard landing team MVP. That's good. Yeah. The uh, yeah, the like Marcel it. the Marcel Spears one. Is there another like somebody that we're missing from like like 1998 that like a rising star? Yeah, like somebody a guy that, that just kind of burst came, on the scene, came out of nowhere. You weren't expecting him, and they're like, "Oh wow, this guy's really good." We gave well, the award to Charlie Kohler. What about Mike Rose? Uh, yeah, he well finished. rising. So we quantified this one. The rising star means they're not already a star. Like. Brock and Mike Rose, you'd, I would consider already as, quote, stars. And Eisworth oh, okay. would fall into that category where they're not rising anymore. Like, no one's like, oh, who's Greg Eisworth? They're like, oh, yeah. leading tackler on the team. Well, there's a bunch of guys like that in the past. I think that you're fine with the Spears. Yeah. I'm trying to think of anybody that was I mean, it's just my time. Anybody who before their prime yeah, in an Iowa State uniform is what you'd be saying. Yeah. Trying to find somebody. I'm Couldn't trying to think. Brock of, Purdy be that? Yeah, but I mean, isn't Brock's kind of already a star now? Yeah, he's not really. What he'll about, be. He's going to keep getting better. We would assume. What but. about Ass Alley? Ass Alley. He he can be. Well, I would say he could be the special teams player of the year, but I think that probably goes to Kane. It sure yeah. as heck isn't the punter. It's <laughs> or the or the uh, freshman kicker that they used the scholarship on. Who didn't end up kicking. Once. Not once. <sighs> All right, Jeff, what's your final thought from the season? Then we're gonna we're gonna turn this off. I think this Yeah, because I, I gotta get this equipment and I gotta go. The oh, season okay. this is why Chris actually logged yeah. on. The season ended how we expected it to start. And the the first four games were not an accurate depiction because of the close losses that they had. It was a really tough slate to start, and there was no real identity for the team. But by the time the season ended, it was what we expected in the offseason. But we had to go through this little three-game lull to get there. But that winning six out of seven to finish, or seven out of eight, whatever it was, before the bowl game, that was what we expected to see from this team. And I think that expectation should continue into the next year. Because I don't think there's... You, you look up and down the schedule. There's nobody on that schedule, especially because Texas is in Ames in November. Mm-hmm. There's nobody that you're really 
not necessarily scared of, but there's nobody that you don't look at the game and go, yeah, we should win that. Yeah. There's nobody on the schedule. So I think the, the, the way this season finished is the way we should expect the next, is pretty much how we should carry the next, next bit of, or the next season. And also, let's not deviate from that. Up or down, let's not deviate from that of, yeah, they're good, and then start expecting, okay, well, Butler's coming back. Shoot, Butler's coming back. We got, they're, they're going to win the Big 12 for sure. And they're going to playoff. Like, let's not get that high. Because then, you know, they win nine games and people would be disappointed with a nine game se- or nine win season. But then it's also not like, like I said, there's depth at every position. And I'm going to knock on wood here. Let's say Brock Purdy blows his Achilles in spring practice. Knock on wood. Thanks, Jeff. So <laughs> let's say that happens. There's still not a, there's, there should not be a fear that the season's down the toilet yeah. with one guy's injury. So regardless of what happens from now until next August, I think the expectation should be as good as they were to finish the season is where they should pick off or pick up next season. All right, Jeff. Thanks for coming into the Carl Chevrolet Studios. Talk, we'll see you again next week. I'm going to go get in my Carl Chevrolet I, uh, Colorado on the way out. I put it in. Uh, see, now we have a trusty podcast calendar. Yeah. Because I'm going to send you to Allen Fieldhouse on the 21st. Okay. So, uh, Jeff... We'll be doing, I'll be doing football and random things with you. Then. You're going to fart with me? I'm going to fart with you. Great. Courtesy of our friends at Iowa Diamond. I was just going to say that. <laughs> Thanks to Iowa Diamond. All right, guys. We'll talk to you again soon. Peace.